You have questions? We have answers. We're two Southern moms on the backside of raising kids. And we have some things to say. We've lived life, made mistakes, and learned some lessons. Join us for answers to the questions you, you just, just want to ask your mom. mom. Hey, welcome to another Just Ask Your Mom podcast. I'm Renee Sproles. And I'm Bonnie Blaylock. Well, in November of 2021, we aired an episode asking the question, are you the default parent? And it was based on Eve Rodsky's book, Fair Play. In her book, she introduces a very usable system that helps couples and families more fairly divide the labor in the home so the majority doesn't fall on a single person. And we all know who that person usually is. Mom. <laughs> yep. That's true. So on this episode, we're going to delve a little more into the nuance of that system by talking about how to teach our kids to notice what needs to be done in the home in the first place. Before any chore or task is initiated, somebody has to first notice that it needs to be done. Yep. And usually that person is mom. And this is what ends up creating a lot of mental load that we've talked about. And we're all aware of it because most of us feel that on a daily basis. Right. So just to just to kind of recap, you might think about mental load as worry work. It's kind of that mental circus that we have going on in our heads, the three rings, they're full of prancing ponies and elephants and clowns and jugglers. Well, we're thinking not only of the list of things we need to do on a daily basis for our own welfare, but if we are mothers, we're typically also juggling the schedule and needs of the rest of the family as well. The more kids, the more you're juggling. Mm -hmm. And that's the road that leads to overwhelm and exhaustion and resentment. Yeah, Eve Rodsky puts it this way, and I think she's right. The cognitive labor of running a household is as intense as running a Fortune 500 company. I think so. People, if you've never done it, you don't get that. But <laughs> Yeah, and we, de we devalue it. We just think, oh, it's just, mm -hmm. it's just home stuff. It's just family stuff. Right. But I, in an interview we recently did with Mel Hashi, she really runs her house like... It's a like a, it's a business. They, yeah. And she and her husband intentionally think about it like a business. Right. And that's how you reach the successes that they get to. Yeah. Is by doing it that way. Yeah. The, all the components and the goals. And a lot of our, these, this episode overlaps with what she was saying. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, their family so. does. Mm -hmm. Now, Rodsky tackles the idea of division of labor mm -hmm. in her book, Fair Play. Uh, the goal was initially to outline all the tasks needed to keep the house, the schedule, the meals, the activities running smoothly and fairly. And when you first use this approach, it's just a little bit more time on the front end as you're both agreeing what a reasonable person can expect from a task being done. Right. So if you are the one who's going to be taking the kids to school every day from start to finish, you're asking together, you're asking what would a reasonable person think would be involved in that task? So you're going to have to think the night before what needs to be ready to go the next morning. And maybe you're the one also making the school lunch or helping your child make lunch. You're going to have to be sure all the backpack papers are signed, what activities are on the calendar for the following day. So you're making sure to have any kind of equipment or gear ready for practices or clubs. And then how you're going to make sure the morning runs so you're out the door and on time. That is That is task from start to finish. And I think... If we ask, generally, if we ask, hey, can you take the kids to school in the morning? They're thinking, I'm literally getting in the car and taking them to school in the morning. That's all I have to do. And they're not thinking about all the rest that goes with it. Yeah. The, the core memory from that podcast was the dishwashing 
example. It's the same idea. So if you're in charge of doing the dishes after dinner, what does that mean? Mm. What does a reasonable person expect? What does a reasonable like? person expect? Yeah. Are they piled in the sink rinsed? Are they soaking? I love that little <laughs> passive aggressive I move. <laughs> I've lied to myself about soaking for so many years. I hate soaking. <laughs> oh. But yeah, it was what what does that look like for you? That's why you discuss it because right. everybody's not going to have the same answer. Right. On that, and you do what works for the two of you. So after um, the initial outline of the tasks, you huddle up on a weekly basis and decide how it's going and whether you need to maybe divide some tasks differently for the next week. Yeah, based on everybody's schedule and what they can mm-hmm. handle, all that all that stuff. That's just mm-hmm. how families like a corporation can run smoothly, mm-hmm. where it doesn't all fall on one person. So one of the big hurdles in that mental load division of labor conversation is that it usually falls on that one person who cares the most mm-hmm. to notice and then decide what needs to be done. So while your spouse or kids might be willing to help or pitch in, it's the noticing in the first place that still adds to that overwhelm. Yeah, because that's part of the mental load is the noticing and right. having to point it out. So you're thinking, why am I doing everything around here? Is everyone else blind? And if you have to ask for help, that's one more job for you to do. One right. more thing on your plate. I, yeah, because I know a lot of Parent, uh, well, spouses and also kids, older kids too, probably. I'll, I would help you if you would just ask me. Mm-hmm. Well, that still means it's on me because I've got to ask. I've, I've still got to notice it and then I've got to ask. Yeah, and that's that's really not ideal. I know that it's how some people, it's the situation you're in and you have my sympathies, but that's not ideal. And so that's what we want to talk about today. You and your spouse both live in the same house and you're both parents. And if you have to ask your spouse to put away a basket of clean clothes that's been sitting on the couch for two days, that implies that it's your job. It's what if and if that's what you negotiated, then go put those clothes away. What's wrong with you? Right. If that, <laughs> that's what you right. Yeah, it depends. If you if it, a lot of people have kind of a division of labor, and if you and if your job is the laundry, then you do it. Yeah. Right. But it, but if not, then. You need to revisit. I mean, this is what, this is a great couch time conversation, Bonnie. Right. Yeah. You know, Mel Hashi talked about how they have a dinner time. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll, the tough truth. They have moment. the tough truths <laughs> moment. And it's yeah. like so nice to not have one big family meeting once a year or twice a year where all the resentment's built up, mm. where you learn to just kind of say, oh yeah, okay, I'm going to save this for Saturday's right. dinner where we're going to discuss this stuff. And you're not like a, Champagne bottle bottle where you pop that cork (laughs) and you're bubbling with rage. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I I totally think this fair play system could be a game changer for a lot of households, especially if you're fairly newly married and you haven't really established a lot of patterns or habits lately or or yet. And um, better yet, before you get married. Yeah. If you can talk about it beforehand. But maybe you're way down that road in your marriage and your spouse is not a willing teammate. No amount of asking or trying to change it seems to work. Yep, you can and should continue to have those conversations, but you should explain, we think you should explain, what the mental load is and how it feels to you. So how can you do that? Yeah. So you could, I mean, when when you tell me you're going to take the garbage out and then it's sitting there two days later and I passive aggressively haven't touched it, that communicates to me that you don't care about me. Right. It's not that I care about the garbage more than you do. And so I should just do it. It's that you're not thinking of me. Right. 
so one another great thing you can do is surround yourself with people who are having these types of behaviors, get in a group or a community where the husbands are stepping up and you're, or the wives are getting it done mm-hmm. and you're surrounding yourself with people who know uh, a little bit more than you do about how to be the best version of themselves in the role of wife or husband. Right. So then there's that positive peer pressure. Yeah. And it's not all on you. It's maybe like, but, and it's not this, oh, well, you could be a little more like David and Renee Sproul, right? It's not that. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's just this subtle sort of mm. unspoken, or or maybe it is spoken if some of the guys in the group, you know, have enough chutzpah to say, <laughs> hey, dude, like be a man, take the trash mm-hmm. out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you could also, and this is what we're going to kind of camp out with today, is focus on the family members you do have sway over, and that's your children. Uh, and sometimes it's out of the mouths of babes that uh, the adults around them kind of have that aha mm-hmm. moment. Right. If your spout, maybe if you're both teaching the kids to notice because you want your kids to be better people, if your spouse is part of that teaching, sometimes it rubs off mm-hmm. and they pick it up as well. Yeah. And you're going to want to give each other patience and grace. I hope that goes without saying, but I just said it as you shift things around and do this sort of renegotiating. And then you can always go to counseling to better yeah. communicate. I mean, that's the expensive route, but it's it is definitely worth the money. It's money well spent to if prevent you, resentment down it. the road. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you need it, um, probably just if you if it's just a communication thing, just a few sessions would teach you the tools mm-hmm. to uh, communicate in ways that are not defensive, like you said, like the trash example. Yeah, it's a what you did, how that makes me feel. Right, and we all know like. A lot of the Christmas stuff falls on moms. Mm-hmm. We're doing the shopping, even for the extended and in-law family. Mm-hmm. It's all on us. Or it can be, if that's the way things mm-hmm. have fallen in your family. Mm-hmm. Just assumed it's your job and you're going to take care of it. All the decorating. Did you know that um, the highest month for filing divorce is January? <sighs> Why do you think that might be? Just putting that out there. Yeah. You had it. You just I like, had I, it. I can't do that again. Right. So better to keep the marriage and the family together my goodness, mm-hmm. than to build up resentment over this kind of stuff. Absolutely. Now, you found some some cool Instagram accounts I that also talk about this. did. There is Sam Kelly, and she's got this whole course that she's developed on uh, a concept she calls Notice and Do. And you can find her free guide. Uh, we're going to put her Instagram link up here. And there's also a really great thoughtful account to follow, Real Zach Think Share. And I love this one in particular because it's a guy's perspective. So if your spouse is less than enthusiastic... He calls himself a recovering man-child, which I love. <laughs> and see if you can get your spouse maybe to commit to following this account for maybe a month or so. Because it's just a viewpoint from from another guy. Mm, interesting. Well, let's talk about how we talk about work. So right. when I say the word work, Bonnie, do you feel a positive connotation or a negative one? I guess it depends on what sort of work you mean. Mm-hmm. Housework? Probably negative. Mm-hmm. Working in the garden, positive. Yeah. So, you know, the labor that goes into managing a home is real work. Words have power. Mm -hmm. And the way that you talk to yourself, the way you talk to your children, that's creating a reality. Mm -hmm. You know, there's so many scriptures that talk about um, guarding your tongue and blessing and not cursing and 
um, being slow to speak and quick to listen, you know, in scripture. So we want to just give you a, a little bit of a nuance on the idea of talking to your kids about work and noticing the work that needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Everybody needs to get off their butts and get to work. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because <laughs> work, I mean, we're giving it. It's a positive thing. We all yeah. need to do it. Yeah. So here's a suggestion. Well, there's something that I'm guilty of, and that's asking my kids to help. Oh, I know I did this all the time. But we want our children to be helpful. We want them to help and serve others. Of course we do. Mm -hmm. But here, when we're talking about today's episode, context is key. So when we say, can you be mom's helper and pick up your clothes or help mommy clean up the toys in the bathtub, sweetie? What are we actually subtly communicating? That it's mom's job and you can help when you're asked. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what do you say instead? Okay. So this is something that Mel Hashi talked about. How can you contribute mm-hmm. to the family? Ooh, what a positive, resilient, confident maker that is. So good because she said, you know, if, if you don't contribute, what does that imply? That someone else is going to have to do that contribution. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a lack. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's one way to say it. Um, you could also say something like, hey, can you come with me and let's pick up the toys together? Okay. Or we could say, hey, let's team up and put these toys away. Or even better, back it up a step. Back it up one time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and say, can you notice what this playroom looks like? Yeah. And you're not nagging and yelling and saying, it mm-hmm. looks like a tornado went mm-hmm. off in here. You're, you're using that word work instead of help. That increases... They're going to get used to hearing it. They're going to be more comfortable hearing the, the word work, and they're going to be familiar with it, and they're going to be resilient because of it, because they're contributors. Yeah. I mean, it, work is initially, it was supposed to be a blessing. So many things we do here on this earth are, um, they don't bring joy mm-hmm. when we have to do them. So we, so because we just live in a, in a fallen world and, and sometimes things are hard, but I, I really do love the idea of trying to spin work and contributing in ways that are life-giving and really aligning with reality. Like you said, we're made to work. Sure. And it's the story that we're telling ourselves. Yeah. Because, yeah, maybe we don't want to do chores and drudgery and that. But we do love to sit around the table and eat together. Mm-hmm. And when we contribute to that, we get to do something fun. We get to. Yes. Instead of we have to. And many hands make like work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the first step that we just talked about in completing a task is noticing that something needs to be done. And have you ever thought of noticing as a learned skill? Yes. Well, I hadn't. I had because I had a husband who noticed. Okay, I never, full disclosure, I never had to deal with this with David. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because of the training he received and his family? Almost certainly it has to be. Because his mom was is a meticulous housekeeper. And she had to work outside the home when mm-hmm. he was in high school. And so she trained him to notice what needed to be done. She walked him through the household chores and said, this is what a job well done looks like when you clean the bathroom. This is what a job well done looks like when you clean the kitchen. Yeah. Uh, and she would she would pay him instead of paying an outside company 
to clean the house. Win, win. Yeah. Win, win, win. <laughs> like I'm the recipient of all that. I was just going to say, yeah, that that goes down for generations because then he models that and then his sons model that. Right. So he would notice if there were dishes in the sink, he would notice them mm-hmm. and just start taking care of it. And yeah, there's, there's noticing and walking by or there's noticing <laughs> and actually doing. But you know, so many young moms I talk to, I really think... Many of those husbands are not just walking by and noticing it and blowing it off. Right. I think they're not noticing it. I, I agree. I would love to crawl in their brains one and see, like, what are you seeing? Yes, or not seeing. <laughs> what yeah. does this room look like to you? Yeah. Um, but because they're obviously seeing two very different things. Right. I agree. So I think it's, if you look at it, noticing as a learned skill, like anything else that you're teaching your child, um, you can harness their natural observant skills because they're sponges. They're in the world. You know, we encourage that impulse in them when we want to encourage curiosity or mm-hmm. empathy. So we might say, look around the lunchroom. You see anybody sitting alone? What could you do to encourage them? Mm-hmm. You're noticing other people and social situations. Or for curiosity, we might say, oh, those ants are amazing. How do you think they're all going to fit in that little mound of sand? So you're Notice the natural world around mm-hmm. you and what's curious about it and all that. Well, do we do the same thing at home? I'm, I bet we don't. No. I bet 90% of us do not. No, I bet we don't. You're making most of their decisions. Yes. And they're scheduling their That's day. earned. That's, they learn and grow and mature and they earn those freedoms. But they can always notice and do. All on their own. Mm-hmm. All under their own steam, their own power. And mm-hmm. how like confident building is that? I love that. Yeah, this happened just yesterday. Dottie Lou was over, and um, we have baby gates, you know, at the, at the yep. top of the stairs. And I keep them pulled because the dog runs up there and might get into mischief. So I had pulled it shut for the dog, and she had climbed the stairs. She had permission to climb the stairs. I forgot the gate was closed. And so I ran up there behind her to go open the gate, and she was standing in the bonus room. Oh. And she goes, nay, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like... Yes, yes, you did. <laughs> I was like, oh, shoot. She knows how to open the yep. baby gate now. I said, I'm so proud that you noticed that you needed to open that to get up there. Just next time, maybe just ask me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, she's naturally inclined to just be curious. Sure. I'll try to figure are. it out and notice. Mm-hmm. So you're right. We can totally harness that for good. Mm-hmm. So kids can always notice and do. And this is what I think many of us attempt to do when, and it's frustrating when we try to motivate our kids to do their chores and show initiative and not be lazy. But in most cases, that's still us reminding and nagging and Mm -hmm. begging them to do the thing. Yeah, that was um, in our parenting class we taught. We always called that monkeys. Yep. The monkeys on your back. Mm -hmm. You want to take the monkey off your back, put it on your sweet little child's shoulder (laughs) and let them learn. And which leads us to chore charts. And why chore charts are not ideal for the long term. Now, they're certainly fine, totally good and fine for preschoolers as they're learning, like to go about their day and developing the ability to do, um, oh, what's the kind of thinking where it's like one, two, three thinking? Yeah, you know, sequential, like like uh, maybe a morning routine or a bedtime routine. Right. To you keep know. them on track. Or if you have a kid who struggles with attention. Yeah. Neurodivergent. They can just well, run to it and check, double check. That's all fine. We're not talking about that. But in the end, a chore chart is really just focusing on compliance. Like, have you done it? Mm-hmm. Which is probably first level good, right? Right. Like, that's the first step. 
right? But you're getting, you're giving rewards for that typically, right? People yeah. are, you do this task X number of times right. and then you're going to get a cookie or a sticker. Right. So once again, if we back that up, well, who is making the tour chart? Yeah, I know. Guess you who? are. You are. Who is assigning all those tasks and delegating? Who is knowing what needs to be done and finagling a way to get people to pitch in? Yeah. Is that just another ball that you're juggling? Right. Um, yeah. In most cases, yes. It totally is. So that the first critical step is noticing what needs to be done. And that is not included on the chore chart. Mm-mm. We leave that one out. So we can teach noticing, which is what you described your husband. Yeah. Sorry, his life. This is what it probably looked like. And you can do this from toddlers on up to teens. And I think with toddlers, it's part of just narrating your day for them. Maybe, okay, say you start out in the morning, you walk into the bathroom with them, and you're going to do a quick inventory. Hey, look at the soap dispenser. What do you notice about it? Mm -hmm. Is it full or empty? Yeah. Those are words they're learning, right? Big, little, full, empty. Yeah, near, far. How about the toothpaste or the shampoo? If it's empty, we should put that on a list to remember. Perfect. Right? What do you notice about the potty? Is it clean? Is there toilet paper on the roll? What do you notice about the towels? So this is you narrating to your toddler. You're pointing out to them what they're looking for and what to notice in specific concrete ways. Is this going to be an ongoing conversation for many, many mornings and evenings? Yep. (laughs) Will they pick up on it? Also, yes. Yeah. So you know those picture games, the one where you look from one photo to the next and notice what's different? This is such a cool idea. You can do that with the rooms of your house. Yeah. Plus, you can just have a memento from when your rooms are actually clean. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. That's true. So take a picture of their room as a disaster area and Mm -hmm. their room when it's clean to the standard. Do this with the bathroom. Do this with the kitchen and the playroom. Any area where you're wanting them to begin to notice what needs to be done. And then it's a game. Practice with them. What is different from one photo to the next? What can you notice? That's actually really clever. You could even, you know, print it out. Yeah. um, And have it for them. Like a little photo book. Yeah. And just know like, oh, yeah, when I clean this room, that's what it needs to look like. When I clean the bathroom, that's what it needs to look like. This would be super helpful double win for the visual learner people in the room. Mm -hmm. So good. Um, And just, yeah, you can just practice with them. What's different from one photo to the next? I mean, I can attest to you again, Dottie Lou, two years old. She loves this game. She loves seek and find. Two years old. There you go. Yeah. It's it's such a fun thing to do with her. Mm -hmm. And they're Mm -hmm. they're so good they're going to remember more than you will and that yeah they will and then it's cool to walk into the room in real life okay remember our pictures what Mm -hmm. what do you see that's different in here yes so you're just going to model that noticing for them out loud and i think a lot of times well we just do it naturally in our heads you walk into Mm -hmm. your room and you're going through that narrative in your head Mm -hmm. oh the pillows are off and the dishes need clean and there's crumbs on that counter and you're saying it all to yourself in your head are you teaching anyone that that's what they're supposed to notice right you're just keeping it all for yourself yeah. Share, share the love. <laughs> share it. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, the holidays are a really easy time to do this because there's so many things that are usually different around mm-hmm. your house, mm-hmm. right? What things have changed? Who did that? Once yeah. you've taught this noticing thing and you can do it, you can see how you narrate your day with toddlers. And then for teenagers, it's, you know, teenagers and older kids, it's a little um, more straightforward than that. And then we're going to talk about how you praise. So usually we're praising for completing a task. Hey, thanks for cleaning your room. Thanks for feeding the dog. But again, we're going to back that up a step, especially if you haven't asked them to do this task. You're going to praise for noticing that something needed doing. So good. 
and then doing it. Because you're, listen, we're always telling you this, you're going to get more of what you cheer about, Mm -hmm. what you praise for. Mm -hmm. So you're going to back up and praise them for noticing that something needed doing and then doing it. So, wow. You're obviously not going to wake up tomorrow and explain all this to your three-year-old and then... They're just going to pop out of bed and make their bed right. from this day forward. Right. It's a process, right? <laughs> Everything's a process, but it's one that's worth investing in. Yeah. Because it's going to lighten your load and it's going to enlist your other family members to contribute and participate. And it teaches our kids, boys and girls, that everyone shares responsibilities. We all contribute to the work. Everyone needs to notice and do what needs to be done. Right. And then, man, once you've got that conquered, can, yeah, then you're, you're helping each other. Oh, did you notice that? Did you mm-hmm, notice this? Mm-hmm. It can kind of become a game. So good. Things are better and funner when they're games anyway. A bit of structure helps in the beginning. And it's best to start small with an area that they're familiar with and in a lot. So maybe that's the playroom. Mm-hmm. Some area that's giving you the biggest headache. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it's their room. Yeah. They need to know what that room reset looks like and how to notice when it's not quite there. And then to make sure that it gets there. So you can use rewards for that if, if they accomplish. Sure. You know, they've reset it and made it look excellent. Yeah, absolutely. And be patient and flexible with yourself and with your kids. You know, we're all different and we're going to pick this up at different speeds. I think um, it's worth pointing out that different kids, different temperaments yeah. are probably better at noticing and observing than others. Mm-hmm. So you, it may just take longer for one than another. Yeah, so you can go back and find our temperaments episodes. We did them by colors, Mm -hmm. blue, gold, orange, and green. Mm -hmm. And yeah, certainly would the greens notice, Bonnie? I bet the greens would not notice as much. They're too much in their head. I agree. Um, And I don't think that it's gendered, but I wonder if you can play it out where boys probably aren't as apt to notice the small details of things. They're more mm-hmm. big picture and, mm-hmm. and that. Well, yeah, especially boys. Not We're not talking men, but boys are, um, you know, how they color mm-hmm. with just scribbles a lot of times. And girls are have really good fine motor skills. But right. it's also because of their eyesight because they see movement way better than girls do. And so they're drawing things that move, which is why they scribble, scribble, scribble back and okay. forth. So, yeah, the static stuff in the room may not be as noticeable to a boy. And then you throw the temperament in there as Mm -hmm. well. But it can be taught. Absolutely. It can definitely be taught. But you just are going to want to take the long view Mm -hmm. on that and and know that this may be a process of years of them getting to the point where you really feel like, okay, they do notice what needs to be done. Right. And we're going to, yeah, we're all just going to get together and do this as a team. Um, so yeah, you're going to start small, start structured with an area that they're familiar with. And then as they age, or if you're, if you're starting with an older child in the first place, increase their sphere of noticing to areas that are common areas like kitchen, living room. Mm -hmm. So again, moms praise, praise, praise for that extra first step of noticing. If they notice and do, that's where your occasional rewards come in and your specific praise is most effective. Again, you're just, you want to point out what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. So, you, you know, when... You're trying to teach any character trait in your child um, or squash any negative <laughs> impulse. You know, pointing out the positive is always the more pleasant. And 10 to 1, it should be positive to negative. Right. right. So point out the wins when they notice and do. I mean, the minivan 
the SUV. <laughs> That's a great small space. Oh my goodness. To start with. Excellent point. Yeah. Can oh, we just leave our stuff all over what the place? Do, what do we see? Yeah. What does your car seat look like? <laughs> look at your, look below your feet. <laughs> and ask the questions. You're not pointing all this out. You're letting them notice. Yeah. And I would use the word notice. Yeah. What do you notice? Mm-hmm. And who can find the most things that are, notice yeah, and do. And, that are and, out of, out of pocket that need to be. Yeah. So I just thought this was such a key thing to me that I totally blew over. I totally skipped over it. Yeah. Mistake made. I'm raising my hand. Um, I was more for the tasks that need to get done. Can you help mommy do this task? And my kids learned it, but, um, you know, and if they're out on their own, if they want their clean house, they're going to have to figure it out on their own. Right. But it was not an intentional, everyone needs to notice this and pitch in. Yeah. And the thing is, you know, when you have investment in keeping the house, you know, a particular way, you know, as a kid, you're going to be less likely to destroy it. You know, if you're the one going back to help, mm-hmm. you know, my kids tease me endlessly about the group project of mopping the floors because I made them. Right. <laughs> Get down on your hands and knees and dry it with a towel. I was mopping. It wasn't like I was just standing back cracking the whip. <laughs> but but for sure, you know, they noticed when, um, A, they didn't have to do it. Mm-hmm. It was like a big when, you know, oh, yay, I'm so grateful. I get yeah. a break. And, yeah, they would notice when they were clean or dirty. Because they, 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 they had it was coming up. Yeah. Like, oh, no, another time. Got to do it again. Yeah. Same thing with their bathroom. They had ownership of their bathroom. I don't know. Probably the older one was eight or ten. And they were having to clean their own bathroom. And we just went through. Like, hey, here's what you're going to notice. Here's what the mirror needs to look like. Here's what the toilet needs to look like. Mm -hmm. Here's what the sink needs to look like. All the blue toothpaste. Who makes kids' toothpaste blue? I don't know. All the blue toothpaste in the sink needs to be scrubbed out. Yes. Um, But, yeah, it is a process. Um, it's a great one though, but you can do it. And as you, as your whole, as your kids get on board with it and you're, they're saying notice and do look, mom, uh-huh. I noticed and I noticed that and I did it. Um, all of the family members in the house are also going to be hearing that language. It's mm-hmm. going to become normal language for your house and it's kids can encourage the adults to do it as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So we hope this is helpful for you and we will have, those Instagram accounts and a little summary on our website, just askyourmom.com. Connect with us on Facebook and Instagram and take five seconds to rate and review the podcast and share us with your friends and family. If you have topic suggestions, we would so love to hear them. You can send those to us at just ask your mom podcast at gmail.com. And we'll see you next time on just, just ask, ask your mom. mom.